Patty White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. It's good to be prepared. There we go. I'm English, and one of the things I do, I've never managed to shake off, is the desire for a cup of tea. But unfortunately, I didn't realise how far it was to go and get one, so... Very nearly missed the beginning of the show, but I'm all set with a cuppa, so everything's okay. Relax! Relax! Um, good evening. Who am I? What am I doing? Whereas, where where... Oh, so many questions. Let's get right into it. Uh, News Talk 1010. Vinnie White, in for Pei Chen. Uh, why is she not here? Because she's in Africa, in Namibia. I think she's all right. I, she hasn't been eaten, that I can clarify, because I was looking at her Facebook doing a bit of stalking this week, and... Um, she looks like she's having a great time. Lucky cow. It's not right, is it? Good time to go away. Because, let's be honest, Toronto's not at its best, is it? It's it's just at the point now where it's starting to smell of dog poo as well. I don't work for the tourist uh, the tourist board here. But every year about this time, as everything melts, and I've, I kind of feel for the street cleaners because it's like, oh, what's the point? If I, do, if I take this layer off, There'll be another layer of garbage exposed tomorrow. And it's all kind of brown and dirty. And quite, here's one thing that I've, maybe someone can help me with. Who is it that takes the time to pick up the dog poo and put it in a bag, but then leaves the bag? I've always found that weird. You're like half a bastard. You know, you're not, you're not committed to being proper evil and leaving poo on the street. You'll bag it, but then you'll leave a bag of poo. Which looks slightly better, but not much. Because you still have to go through the whole thought of, I wonder what's in that bag. Never try and find out. It's, it's, it's not a, a lucky dip or Russian roulette you want to play with. Uh, so that's that. Anyway, Toronto, other than that, is a wonderful place. And I live here. So what more reason would you want them to live here than me? Um, probably quite a lot, I would imagine. My name is Vinnie White. The show's on for two hours. Um, it started. This is officially it. I know, it's remarkable. I actually get paid for this. And uh, even for the bit where I wasn't here because I was getting a cup of tea. I've, I could drag that out for another hour, couldn't I? Could we play music? Is that in our remit? <laughs> Elliot's here pressing buttons. He's very good at it. Um, and uh, that's all you need to know, really. Other than the fact, it's International Women's Day. So it would make sense then, wouldn't it, to celebrate uh, all things female. Well, I say all things female, not in a crude or crass way. We won't be talking about bosoms. We're way above that. Mm, just. Um, we will be speaking to Claire Beckton. She's the founding executive director of the Colton University Centre for Women in Politics and Public Leadership and uh, reflecting on what is International Women's Day and what's going on with that there gender gap then. Can we sort that out? Uh, I'm very pro-women. Um, not in the sleazy way, although sometimes. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, I think we can all understand that some of the most forward-thinking, advanced countries are those that celebrate and entitle women and have a small gap in the uh, equality. And uh, wouldn't it be great if we could all get there? Well, well, I'll be speaking to Claire about it and what we as individuals can do to help, if there is a possible way. I'm sure there is. Um, but first, I thought I'd start the show before we're talking to her just by understanding how far we have come, in a sense, so I was digging away in the archives trying to find something that represents how we used to think about women. And I came across, um, we, go, we go quite a long way back for this, admittedly, uh, certainly before my time. In 1944, 
there was a, a film made. It was a public information film made in the US. And it aired in the US and actually aired here in Canada as well. And the idea was that it was a changing time, uh, immensely so. And a lot of men were actually very uncomfortable with women um, outside the home and the concept of working with them. So to alleviate this stress, the American government came up with a film which could certainly be viewed as deeply sexist today called How to Understand and Work with Women, which I suppose in many senses, if you, re- if you really look at it on a broader scheme of things, was actually a good thing. It was actually heartfelt meant to adjust men's attitude towards women, even though there was enormous segregation and still it was only the men with management jobs in those days and female workers were only being introduced in a sort of factory setting as just labour and hands, particularly, of course, uh, as the result of of, uh, the atrocities that happened in the war and the shortage of men. So it was a changing time and this film was set about to try and capture the essence of the time and to let men stop being scared of women. Um, And I just want to play a little bit of it, the audio. So imagine a man uh, talking to his boss in a factory, uh, horrifically badly acted, um, and although looking at today's soaps, I don't think it's got much better in the last hundred years. Um, and he's talking about uh, how he feels about working with women. And then it's a sort of role play where the boss tries to make him feel better. This is how we were in 1944. Women scare me. At least they do in a factory. Well, maybe the women are scared too, Joe. Let's see. Most of them are working on their first industrial jobs, Joe. It's a totally unfamiliar world. You see, they're not naturally familiar with mechanical principles nor machines. Why, even the language applying to uh, common processes and tools are new to them. It must sound like double talk to them. Now, if anybody wants a flam span, give with a double left-handed jerry wrench on account of it might surbobulate the orange crate with the torpid. On the other hand, if a span flam is wanted, that single right-handed providing the pressing puncture is adjusted to the conch front of 37... Let's be three. honest, I'm not sure a man could understand this. Clear? Or a woman, let's be honest. I know, Joe. It takes time to make them feel at home, but it can be done. You talk like a man who knows women. We'll see, Joe. We'll see. So, yeah, that goes on and uh, and tries to introduce the idea of incorporation. Good evening, Vinny. That's um, quite the piece. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's so easy to be involved in today's world, albeit that we are still far from um, closing the gender gap. Um, but it's, it's it, I suppose, in a positive sense, it's really nice to know how far that we have come. Just the language in that's interesting, but it's very us and them, us and them. It's, it's to me at least, seems to be, uh, perhaps it was telling of the time, but was there almost no incorporation of women back in those days? Well, there's certainly, during the war, that's when women came into the workplace in large numbers to replace the men who went to war. Hmm. But shortly after the war ended and the soldiers came back, they were sent back to the home where they had been before the war. Mm, so there wasn't a long history, although there had been uh, movements for suffrage and, and uh, women who were in the labor force fighting for better labor laws. Mm. 
Today is International Women's Day and I'm speaking to Claire Beckton, founding executive director of the Carlton University Centre for Women in Politics and Public Leadership. Tell me a little bit about what you do on a daily basis. Well, our centre does research and uh, we look for research and gaps where there's uh, issues that haven't been dealt with. We did a study, for example, on creating gender-inclusive leadership in mining. Mm. We did a benchmark study of women's leadership in Canada. We develop uh, leadership programs for women, workshops. Personally, I do a lot of mentoring and coaching and speaking about the the issue to various groups. Well, you've led numerous initiatives to advance women's leadership in Canada. Are we going in the right direction? We are, yes, we are. We've made considerable progress. If you even look back to the 1960s when you had the Royal Commission on the Status of Women, Mm. we've had a lot of advancement since then. You can look at the labor laws that didn't exist then, the parental and maternity leave. And I, you know what I note, parental and not just maternity leave that's been developed. We have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We have human rights law. We have come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Let's investigate that a little bit further. So I'm speaking to Claire Beckton, uh, founding executive director of the Carlton University Centre for Women in Politics and Public Leadership. What, What are we getting wrong and how can we fix it? How can we close this gender gap so that people like you have an easier life? Well, there's a lot of things that we're still not doing yet. One of them, for example, is we haven't been focusing as political parties on ensuring that we have equal numbers of women running for Mm. office. We still only have 25%. In a lot of the workplaces, when Mm. you look at corporations, for example, women are not advancing into senior leadership positions. There still is unconscious bias where men are promoted for their potential, women for they have to prove what they've already done for their experience. Is there any evidence to suggest that that's a fact? Oh, yes. There's, there's been all kinds of studies that have looked at this, that have identified this unconscious bias, including our own research when we were doing the research on mining and the benchmark study. It's not a deliberate thing. When you mention unconscious mm. yeah, bias, uh, it is simply that. Yeah, right? exactly. And I suppose that's a, it's in us all, or to varying degrees, I should hope. Um, but how, I suppose maybe we should investigate that. Um, do I have an unconscious bias that I don't know about, and how could I find out if I do? Well, a lo- most of us have unconscious biases of some kinds. We call them blind spots. Mm. But, uh, and it's usually other people that can point them out. Or we're reading something, for example, if you're really trying to understand why there aren't women in positions of senior leadership in your organization, you would really begin to focus on, do I have a bias? Is there something in our culture? Mm, Yeah. Um, Now, you've served as the uh, deputy head of Status of Women Women Canada, managing the department agency within the government's management accountability framework, which means... Essentially, you've not only through your speeches had an indirect impact to reduce the gender gap, but also you've written policy and aided the direction of Canada to be more inclusive for women, right? This, we certainly tried to do that. And, um, you know, that is something that is really important, that when you look at policies, you want to make sure that they don't have a, a disparate impact on men or women, for that matter. Yeah, because sometimes you'll put something that appears to be gender neutral out and, in fact, it will have a disparate impact. One of the things that I'd be interested in, you were talking earlier about mining, um, the, the, 
the idea on the outset of it, without the practicalities of gender equality, is that the idea, perhaps, um, is that everyone has roughly, give or take, the same abilities. In an industry that involves heavy lifting and what's... I'm going to be... I'm using this word in inverted commas here very carefully. Manpower. And I use that with a huge amount of irony, of course. Um, of course. We have a... Uh, we could, you could say that the, a lot of these jobs, there were certainly more than manual jobs, do lean to men. So would it be f- reasonable then to, let's say there's a million jobs in mining in Canada, there's probably more. Um, let's say, it, you know, would it be fair to say that more than 600,000 should be for men? Or, or, or are these uh, numbers that I'm just pulling out of nowhere? Well, I think they're just numbers you're pulling out of your hat. <laughs> but no, it wouldn't be fair to say that because... Most people have the same concept as you, that mining involves a lot of heavy lifting. Mm. A lot of mining today is mechanized, it's computerized, and there are a multitude of jobs that do not require heavy lifting from driving the vehicles. And in fact, they've found that when they have more women driving the heavier mining equipment, they save money because women look after the equipment better. But there's mining engineers' jobs, there's a whole... I can totally believe that because, you know, you've seen guys in cars. And women in cars, guys are always a bit like, well, hey, check me out. Whereas women, admittedly, stereotypically, might have a little bit of a longer attempt at parking. But let's be honest, they're usually far more considerate and careful and cautious. They've certainly found that experience in driving the heavy equipment in the mine. So mining companies look for women, in fact, to drive their mm. equipment. So, so, should so we... the whole industry has changed. So yeah. we can't think, no, there's certain jobs for men. There may be some that are more easy for men to do. When you look at any profession, you look at firefighting, for example, not all women could do firefighting, nor could all men. Mm. So what would you like to see of Canada if we could, I mean, having discussed what we were like in 1944, and you said earlier we're moving in the right direction, what, first of all, as individuals can we do? So there might be male bosses of of departments, governmental departments. There might be male uh, entrepreneurs and owners of businesses that hire and fire or have the ability to hire and fire more women. What, What can individuals do to just be careful that they're doing the right thing morally? Well, I think that what individuals can do, whether they're leading in a company or otherwise, is to ensure that there's a fair playing field, a level playing field for men and women, that they're looking to see that they're advancing their women as well as their men, that they're not judging women differently than men. In other words, that they're valuing what women bring to the table and recognizing, we, we need to recognize that men and women bring different perspectives to the table. They maybe bring different strengths and we want to value them. Not that one's better than the other, but we need to value them equally. And we, that's something that every everybody can do, whether it's with a colleague, a sister, a mother, you know, to respect and value the women in their lives as well. Mm. And that includes not um, enacting violence against women because we know that domestic violence is a huge issue. Sounds, We'd like to see that end. Sounds quite... Well, who wouldn't? I, I thoroughly agree with you on that. Um, it sounds quite multi-layered, multifaceted. I think perhaps one of the problems is that perhaps we could say education, but also upbringing. If you come from a house that's um, male-dominated, perhaps uh, with, perhaps it's a 
you have a Middle Eastern background or perhaps a Mediterranean background where uh, women are still today seen as, as more subservient towards men. It's certainly uh, arguable that it's, it's really biased in, in favour of men. Perhaps if you grew up in an environment like that and or you grew up in a foreign country and moved to Canada, as so many of us have, um, that has different values, um, wouldn't it be argument, argumentative that... Um, it's the responsibility of schools to drum into kids that we all have different abilities and that it would be a, a positive direction to attempt to close that gender gap, isn't it? Doesn't it start at education? I think education is a very important piece and starting very early on in schooling to create that atmosphere of respect between the boys and girls and to create that understanding that boys and girls may be different, but... They're equal and both equally valued. And we also have to ensure when people are coming into our country that they recognize and accept the values of equality that we have in this country. Mm. I grew up in a male-dominated family. I have three brothers. Mm. So I was well aware of the environment and have worked in male-dominated environments. Mm. It was not easy. No. Perhaps I wonder if that made you who you are today, did it? Well, I mean, it certainly uh, contributed to where I am and what I do. But I think the media can play a strong role as well in trying to remove some of the biases in the way the media might portray women. Mm. Because that plays a huge role, and especially when you look at social media and young people are very much influenced by the media these days. I read an article some years ago that said that you should always try to fight the urges to um, reinforce or, or to congratulate the beauty of your children, unless, of course, this is across both genders. And I find, I find a lot of people, when they see a baby girl in the room, they go, oh, aren't you cute? You're so pretty. You're going to grow up to be a princess. Aren't you fantastic? And then the little boy of same age in the other corner of the room will get something like, oh, what are you playing with? Do you like Lego? Do you like building stuff? Oh, aren't you strong and big? Are you going to be a soldier when you grow up? So these, these, this inequality starts at a ridiculously young age, doesn't it? Oh, it absolutely does. It starts at a very young age. It can be reinforced in families. It can be reinforced in schools. It's reinforced in the media. So wherever you turn and where you have to also look around and see where are the role models. And if we don't have role models for women at all levels of uh, society and senior leadership, Mm. then we reinforce notions that senior leaders, CEOs and prime ministers or premiers are men. Yeah, Now, we've had some considerable change over the years in Canada around the premiers, and that's been a very positive thing, Mm. whether they do well or not, because we can't expect (laughs) them to do any better than they will be good and they will be bad. That's the the only problem, particularly for people like you that are advocates, is when a woman in a powerful position does badly, because she's human and she just might be crap at the job, very often you get tarred with a, well, it's because she's a woman brush, you know. It would be like every time Obama makes a mistake, well, it's because he's black. No, he's a person, and women are people. It's very easy to, to sort of discriminate based on gender, when actually that's completely irrelevant to the point. Well, especially if you look around and see how many um, men have equally screwed up, if you want to use that expression. I mean, there's nobody that's immune to that, whether they're men or women. Mm. And so if we go in there with the idea that she's a woman, so she should do a fantastic job, then we may be doomed to disappointment in some cases. Of course, many women will, most women will do a fantastic job, and most men will do a fantastic job. Yeah, But like so many others, we all have our flaws, whether we're men or women. And I think the day that we can recognize that and not say 
she failed because she was a woman or he failed because he was black or from a visible minority group, mm. then we've attained much better level of equality. And that's what we can all strive to do, I would suggest. Yes. Well, it's really nice speaking to you. You're a really nice, warm-hearted person. And I wish you every success in, uh, in uh, your... Uh attempts to slowly squeeze that gender gap into almost nothing. I'll do my best <laughs> to join you where I can. Yeah, well, thank you for bringing it up on this important issue today. Yeah, no problem. OK, take care. That was Claire Beckton. She's the founding executive director of Carlton University Centre for Women in Politics and Public Leadership. And uh, her list of accolades are so long, I won't really go into them. Let's just say, generally speaking, she's a mighty fine woman. <laughs> take care, Claire. OK, good night. <laughs> you can put that on your business card if you like. Claire Beckton. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, wonderful. International Women's Day today. And uh, what, what better guest can we have than Claire Beckton talking about those issues? And uh, I suppose, it, you know, it, it's, it's up to us as individuals, isn't it? And I think it's really interesting what she said about the unconscious decisions that you make. Perhaps you should, next time you hire someone, male or female, just say, hang on. Am I doing this because of some visceral, grounded gut reaction of how I was brought up and uh, all of the, the, the manifestations of social media, as she said, uh, that batters the imagery of women being good at cooking and cleaning and all that ridiculous 1960s way of thinking and men being good at doing stuff? Have I taken that into consideration? Now, if you're about to hire a guy and you look through all those facts and think, nope, he's the guy for the job, no problem. Hire him, no problem. But just uh, perhaps I guess... We should all look inside ourselves occasionally and check that we're not a little bit unconsciously sexist. You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Technically, it's the Pei Chen show, but she's not here because she's in Africa. In Last time I checked, in Namibia, taking photographs of hippos. And so it looks like she's having a fantastically good time, so good for her. She'll be back in her normal place, uh, which is, of course, here. News Talk 1010 at 8 o'clock every week, 8 from 9. Normally, I do the 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock show, as I will be. I'll be doing that. And uh, today, of course, I'm covering her as well, so I'm, I'm, you get a double the Vinny. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We'll work it out as we go. Uh, today is International Women's Day, and I figured we should probably make our guest female an excuse to look at some lovely ladies. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's sexist. I think that's just a bit inappropriate. And, uh, of course, uh, one of the things that I've always... I, I'm going to be completely frank. I've never been to the opera. Now, I probably am... I would say in the majority of people in Toronto, I won't say that for sure, but uh, let's find out with someone that is an opera star, may I call her, a soprano, Adrienne Pazonka, and she joins me now. Hello. Hello. I'm just going to move your mic mm-hmm. down a bit. Okay. Hello. There we go. You're probably used to microphones, I should imagine. <laughs> not, well, an in- not this big. Not no. <laughs> Do you suddenly feel the need to break out into song? <laughs> no, or? I don't. Okay, good. Well, that's all right then. Uh, Adrian Pazonka joins us, and uh, you are first of all. Let's get our teeth into what it is that you do. Uh, a soprano, uh, a singer, huge accolade. I won't bore everyone by reading them out, but you've been you've been singing for quite some time. A lot of nearly thirty years. Yep. How did you get into it? First of all, I I got into it. Um... 
I think like a lot of opera singers, uh, my family was not an opera loving family. They exposed me to various things, but my true love was was musical theater. Julie Andrews, I adored her, wanted to be here, so it came through theater. Mm. I wanted as a girl. To... Did you sing The Hills Are Alive? Uh, you betcha. Yeah. You bet everything. Liza Minnelli, um, Broadway. My first love was Broadway, and I thought, you know, get me on that stage and. Things progress and I started to do piano and voice and I realized that I did have a gift. I had a voice which was maybe more sizable than, you know, I knew. It's it's really quite a slow development. It's not like you're a child prodigy playing the violin or the piano. The voice takes a long time to to kind of mature. Mm. So you really don't know until you're sort of late teenager, early 20s, whether you've got the goods, whether you can do it. So it was this sort of slow progression from amateur stuff um, musicals into sort of operettas, light, you know, lighter stuff, classical stuff. I got a teacher that did the classical route. So it's kind of fate. I didn't, you know, like maybe a European kid um, in, in Italy would think, I want to be an opera, you know, from a very early age. That wasn't my story. It just, and I find that quite common. Mm. If you talk, you know, even to the, the huge stars, they sort of, well, you know, it just kind of came, like maybe many professions. It just, not saying fell into my lap. I did want to be on the stage, but um, I didn't know maybe I had this gift. That was a God-given thing, and it's just sort of the way it was. When you say a gift, it's a God-given thing. Evidently, it took a lot of training as well. well I mean, true. it's not entirely like learning an instrument in the sense that, you, you know, because you, 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 you have to have a foundation, don't you? You can't, if you are tone deaf, then you know what? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> right. we, we no, can't you're, you're that. right. Listen, and, and that's a good point. Um, as I say, I've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, and I'll say my age, I'm 52, which is um, a ripe old age. And it, it requires even more discipline to keep at the top of the game. To, it's like an, I, I liken it to a, being a vocal athlete. Mm. It's like um, a high performance sport. You have to keep tip top. The voice has to be good. You have to take care. You have to daily exercise it. Mm. Um, and, and, and so, of course. Yeah, I had to cut down your cigarettes from 30 a day <laughs> to 20 a day, of course. No part, you know, like can't, you have to avoid loud bars. And now that you can't smoke in bars, it's good for us singers. I bet it is, yeah. yeah. I bet that made a huge difference. It did. It yeah. did. So, um, you're right. It's not just a fluke. Um, it's, it's you know, I suppose having having the capacity, having a voice and then nurturing it and doing the hard work. Mm. I get asked a lot by young singers and they kind of, because of these shows like, um, you know, America's Got Talent or The Voice, people want to be famous like tomorrow. And I say it's hard work. Look at it as a slow process. You you know, you're not just going to wake up and be Kira Takanawa. One know? of the other problems is they want to be famous because they want to be famous. Exactly. I mean, if you ask a load of children, what do you want to be? They'll go, I'll be, I'll be famous, please. <laughs> right. I, oh, I know. For it's, what? It's um, sad. Yep. Don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, like Kim Kardashian, who is yeah. famous for being famous. Um, they, that's what they want to be. And yeah. it's like, well, surely fame should be the byproduct of the thing that you're good at. Mm, I and hear you. I totally agree. So why don't you want to be a singer and then, do you know what, you might get famous. Well, and I think that's I think that's the media age of Twittering, of, of all these kind of things, social media, which allows our every move to be followed. When I went, you know, to, to university, um, were there CD players? I believe there might have been, but I listened to stuff on LPs. You're 52. You, so, you, 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 know, yeah. you just did the work. This is late 80s. You just did the work. The, I think there were, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, tape cassettes. And um, you just, you know, you, you would study and then you'd have an exam or you'd have a concert. It wasn't then broadcast. It wasn't on YouTube. Um, and I love YouTube. I really find it helpful and interesting. But I do think for the young, young singers, it can be overwhelming and it can get them kind of off course from just following it like a hockey player, you know, doing what you need to do, do the drills, do the work. 
um, enjoy it, you know. But yeah. yeah. Speaking of YouTube, mm-hmm. I took the uh, took the time to do a bit of googly poos, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought it would be interesting for people to hear you in your without putting you too far on the spot here. I thought we should uh, pick you up. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about the Flying Dutchman, but this is uh, the. Is it the opening that we're about to play? Uh, yeah, this is the overture. Yes, and I'm not singing. This is just evocative music about the Flying Dutchman. Oh, we, I want well, to oh, hear you sing. Oh, I see. Well, well okay. When yeah. I said, can you line me up oh, a clip, I, I wanted to hear oh, you. That, I see. Otherwise, you might have just gone, oh, the Rolling Stones is quite good. Should we put them on? <laughs> Elliot, can you Google her in all her glorious beauty? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Adrian Pazonka. And um, can you give him some advice um, on what we yeah, should be looking for? Yeah, there might be Rusalka's Song to the Moon. Rusalka's Song to the Moon might be on. He might okay. find that. He's on it. I've got my best okay. man on it. R U S S Rusalka. R U S S A L K. It's in Czech. Yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. It is. Um, do you speak any other languages? You've got a Polish last Yes, I do. Name. I speak German fluently and I speak French pretty well. Italian and Spanish, not not great, but I can get by. Russian, I sing in. I don't speak and I sing in Czech, but but don't speak it. But yeah, it's a lot of languages. Did you learn all those languages to help you with the singing? Because so many operas are... Most. Uh, Russian and Czech would have been good. But yeah, the other ones kind of. I, I But I, I chose German in high school. I was interested in languages. I, I like languages. And of course, that then helped the career. You know, you, you do have to sing in the languages. And I, I left Canada when I was 25 and I moved to Austria, to Vienna, where I started my career. So uh-huh. that was very useful to have the German, you know, going for it. And I do sing very, very often in Switzerland, Austria, Germany, and the, the German, the German-speaking countries. Yes, of course. <laughs> Let's hear a bit of Adrian Pazonka in all her glory. so much opera it's big yeah, isn't it exactly big and juicy exactly yeah. yes it is people that write operas don't listen to a lot of Celine Dion I feel well listen there are operas that are kind of I'd call them like opera light that are kind of um, you know maybe some French some some certain operas that aren't as heavy handed as Wagner or the big big juicy Italian stuff but that's why I love it um, you know I went to a concert the other day which was sort of more modern music and it was interesting and good but it, I, it lacked that wonderful sound when the orchestra is just sawing away and it is like nothing else I mean even just listening to that clip there and my mediocre knowledge of opera I nearly got a spine tingle I can't begin to Mm. imagine what it must be like if you're playing in a venue like the Royal Albert Hall and you because the the, the the orchestra is very often waiting for you you mm, you're mm. the timekeeper absolutely it's and thrilling it's, it, and that's why you do it it's absolutely thrilling it's it must like, just explode it sometimes. does it's, it's like nothing it's and it never gets old and it, you know people say oh doesn't it get old you've been doing this for a long time it never gets old every day it's a privilege and it's terrifying and wonderful at the same time of course yeah, yeah. Mm. I find that about these radio shows <laughs> <laughs> usually they just come across <laughs> as terrifying but sometimes they're quite wonderful <laughs> uh, Adrian Pazonka's an opera singer 
Yeah, and one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is a lot of people well, listening to this, and I think I could almost tie myself with this brush, find opera inaccessible. Mm. The tickets are very expensive. Yeah. It's a very ornate, Rococo-style mm. venues that are completely alien to our daily life. We don't necessarily understand the language, and we don't necessarily understand the plot. Mm. You know, some of them can be incredibly um, difficult. That's why a layman like me, a reasonably well-cultured man, has never been to the opera. Mm. Now, what, what's going on here? Wouldn't it be great if we could have something that was slightly more accessible to everyone? Well, and I think that's an interesting segue, Vinny, right into what's, what, what, what I'm here promoting, which is this um, opera in the cinema. And I think this is a new thing the Metropolitan Opera started at, where you get these wonderful operas in cinema so you can sit comfortably in a lovely velvet plush chair, be comfortable, have your popcorn... Um, there's subtitles, so it's like a foreign film. So we're singing in whatever language, Russian, Italian, you can follow along. There's wonderful close-ups, and it's really done like a film. And it, I think, you know, it's it's really quite exciting because I agree with you. The ticket prices can be out of the roof. Here in Toronto, it's not a fancy sort of off-putting place. It's rather a welcoming. The Four Seasons Centre is very accessible. But, yes, the tickets do. They're, they're expensive. Mm. Um I know that um, they try to do things, a lot of things to get the youth in, cool things for under 30s. Um, but but I think a lot of people are fans of opera in cinema because they can just go, what does it cost, 12 to 15 bucks. Mm. It's not, you know, 150 bucks. And they can enjoy it. You can be right there. There's some wonderful interviews. And, you know, it's... Um, I'm not surprised, though, that, that, that maybe, let's say, you haven't gone. Um, well, it, maybe this is my time to yes, change it. it'd be wonderful. Now, The Flying Dutchman, uh, it opens March the 22nd at noon at the Blue Hot Docks Cinema, and Adrian Bazonka will be appearing at that as well. I guess you're going to just warm people up. And... Yeah, I might say a few words, and I just I found that it's going to be also um, on the 21st of March. It's going to be at different Ontario landmark cinemas, and I believe that there's 10 cities in Ontario alone that are showing... Um, the show. Oh, so, right. So it's way outside Toronto as well. That's right. Yep. Oh, I didn't realise My dad's that. watching in Hamilton, so I think at Hamilton Place or somewhere in Hamilton. And so, you know, go on the internet and, and check Hamilton's it out. very much like Vienna, though, isn't it? Very much the <laughs> epicentre of culture. God, that's a good one. <laughs> Sometimes you could be walking through Hamilton and be forgiven for thinking you're in Vienna if you were absolutely <laughs> smashed. Yes. <laughs> we'll carry on talking to you in just a moment. First of all, I've got to check in with traffic. News Talk 1010, time saver traffic. Vinny, some good news to start. We've cleared the problems off. The eastbound 401 collector ramp to the 400 had a stalled vehicle there. It is gone. Eastbound on the 403, the ramp to the northbound 410. Still got construction in the right lane there. Still seeing slowdowns on the eastbound Gardner as well through the construction zone. And at St. Clair and Old Western Road, still got a collision there blocking the streetcar tracks. Time saver traffic. I'm Charles Renshaw. Your next update at 9 o'clock. Oh, oh, I've just, I've, sorry, I was having a little chat off there. Yeah. Um, but now we're back in the room. I'm glad we didn't quick. use any naughty language. They suddenly came back. And uh, Adrian Pazonka has a mouth like a sewer. Let me tell you, it's like a trucker. She's operatic on stage. She's disgusting off stage. This is all complete rubbish, of course. Uh, Adrian Pazonka joins me. She's an opera singer. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about earlier is that opera can certainly be inaccessible to people when it comes to finance and just how much it costs. Tickets for this gig are 15 bucks, and uh, they'll be performing at various cinemas as discussed. If you want to see it, I would say probably the best thing to do is just to Google uh, the Flying Dutchman uh, and the, your city of choice, and hopefully it'll pop up as we just learned it's in 10 cities yes, in Ontario. Yes, maybe Hot Docs or the Landmark Cinemas link, yeah. Cool. Okay, great. So tell me, how do you manage to get your voice to the level it is? Do you steam? 
Um, you know, I used to be very, I went through phases being very, um, what's the word, paranoid or very concerned. And I used to fly like on long haul flights. You can get this kind of steam. It's a vaporizer. Yeah. And it, it looks very like Darth Vader. <laughs> anyway, and the stewardess would, the stewardesses, the, the, the flight attendants would run up and think that I was going to blow up the plane because it's, it's sort of like those e-cigarettes. It's got right. this, this vapor. Yeah. And all it is is steam for your throat. Yeah. There's, I mean, if, if you even put that near your face in America, they'll probably get, uh, yeah. get some sort yeah. of fighter jet up. Right. So I used to do that. And, you know, I don't do that anymore. Of course, in these cold months in Canada, it's nice to have a humidifier, drink lots of, you know, water and, and herbal teas. But, you you know, you have to live too. I enjoy a glass of white wine, you know, red wine. You can't be a hermit and you can't live like a, mm. a nun completely. But, of course, no smoking and, and avoid yelling and all these things. Yeah, you do have to um, keep keep well. If I was to put you on the spot, Adrian Pazonka, because I am an evil man, and I think that's what I'm about to do, and ask you to give us a, a quick blast of... Uh, oh, no, that wouldn't be... Would that not be a good idea? Would, I don't think it would be. Could just the proximity of the microphone, I'd be afraid of... <laughs> you could I, do it whilst looking that direction. Oh, gosh. Do you not um, want to do it? I don't mm, want to put you in a different Yeah, no, position. I, I, Vinny, I can't. I know, I, you've got to... Cut, you know, it's, it's, it's a... It's a Motivation to come see me um, in action. There you go. Yeah. That's much better. That, you've, <laughs> Thank you. that was beautifully oh, salesman. I know. I wish. So, well, it's a couple of the questions that have come in. If you want to ask a question to Adrian, we've got a little while. Uh, you can text in on 8255. The first one uh, comes in, doesn't leave their name, but they say, I love opera. Does she get the same rush as a runner, the same feeling mm-hmm. of being addicted? Oh, that's so cool. Um, yes, it, absolutely. And I think. Um, uh, I'll give a bit of background. Opera singing, everyone thinks it's very glamorous. You go out there and you sing and you it's thrilling and you get applause and bouquets of flowers. And then you go home to your flat or your, your hotel room and you're very alone. Mm. Often you're around, you know, s- performing around the world. Now, don't, boo-hoo, don't feel sorry for me. Mm. But... Um, it still a, must be a hell of a come down. Well, it is. A, it, it, that's right. And you have that adre- adrenaline rush while you're doing it and you have to have a come down. It can be very lonely. Um, opera singing has also been likened to fighter jet pilot um, levels of... Um, stress, basically, because you're out there, it's just you and your two little vocal cords, you know, often like a tight, you know, singing this sort of vocal fireworks. And it's a lot of pressure, you know, Mm. can you do it? What if you kind of, we had a bad note there. Um, So it's very pressureful, um, terrifying. And yet when it goes well, there's nothing like it. And and it is adrenaline and Mm. um, it it is addictive. I, I think there are um, I have many colleagues and, and sort of are in a way unhappy that they uh, sort of say oh, it's so lonely and it, yet they, they're they they're compelled to do it. It's like many things in life, you know. Yeah. They're just... It's You're a, almost at a stage where you couldn't not do it anyway. Yeah, you know, and um, I'm, I, I'm, I, have a, I have a daughter and, and I'm married and it's sort of sometimes you think, oh, is this the right thing? Maybe I should, should I retire and be, be home more and things? Mm. And yet there is something, even at my, you know, mature age, I think if I, I've got to do it, I've got to keep going. Um, go for it, you know, make mm. hay, you know, carpe diem. And I'll know when the time's right to, you know, you don't want to sing past your sell-by date and have people say, oh, God, I heard her back in 2004 when she was really good. Oh, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? You certainly don't want to overhear them saying that anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to get out when, you're, when you've, you know, peaked or kind of on that high plateau, which I hope will happen. So what, what, what are your plans? I mean, after this tour? Oh, f- I want to teach. I do want to give back to young, to young singers. And I already do a bit of sort of mentoring and, and at the Royal Conservatory and at the university. I get a lot of young people saying, can I work with them? Can I? coach them and I and I love to do that you know it's great to give back my experience um 
um, wisdom or wise words mm. to people. Absolutely. Is you your know? daughter going to follow this path? I don't know. She's um, she's young. She's only nine. Um, she does like to sing. She, again, also likes the Frozen, like all that musical stuff. She's into it. She's a drama group. We, we certainly don't push it. You know, like I don't. And I think, you know, the business is can be overwhelming. So mm. we'll we'll bring her to this, you know, the opera. She'll come with us, look at the cinema, and I think she'll find it interesting. But if she wasn't a singer, I would not be gutted. It right? must it must be incredibly bizarre for her to have this authoritarian figure in her life, like all mothers are, yes. that say clean up your room and you know because a lot of kids, particularly as they approach the teens, think you're incredibly uncool. She probably still yeah. thinks oh you're God. cool, yes. but time will come, I'm afraid, it's very soon. when she thinks you're not cool and it'll be devastating yes. for a while. Um, but for her, it must be really weird to see this sort of, you know, mother figure telling me what to do, <laughs> cooking me meals and bloody sprouts that I don't like. And then all of a sudden she's in this, I, yeah, I'm sure she's been to costume. some of these amazing yeah. venues. Mm. Yeah, you're in costumes. You, you, do you do it in heels? Yes, heels yeah. and the wigs and the whole, the, the long gowns and the trains. and Absolutely. no. And then it, you come out on stage with this, what I can only describe <laughs> as almighty powerful voice. And she must be like, who the hell is that? No, I think you're right. It's a, it's it maybe using even for like film stars or maybe any public persona. I think for, because you have your, your public, even you, you're, you're a radio host, you're but a bit, you know, you're, you're highly entertaining and and then you you go home and you've got to be your normal you know private self yeah so i'm i'm a mom i'm a private person i'm an and then i have that that public thing which can be i think very powerful maybe confusing i mean we you know it, we'll, we'll time will tell that <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to be marred or scarred by the whole process I, i'm sure she has enormous admiration for <laughs> yeah, you does. i can't I think, see how I she couldn't she does. And, you know yeah she's yeah adored. anyone that's got the guts to go on stage and because we're not talking lip syncing here no we're talking exactly. using talent yeah. undeniable talent <laughs> no matter what your taste no is. kardashian going on no not not a sniff <laughs> um we're going to take a quick break and then i'll come back for the last little bit i'm speaking to adrian pizonka uh she's an opera singer and um, she's, well, I, I said the dates earlier, but I'll just mention them again. Uh, March 22nd at noon at the Blue Hot Docks Cinema. That's one of the places uh, where you can go and see The Flying Dutchman. Uh, classic opera, isn't it, that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the, the most classic, the, the most done opera? Um, Magic Flute, um, Traviata, La Boheme, Tosca. Um, but this is this is a very popular one. It's in German, and it's by a composer called Wagner, who's very very iconic. And a, mm. a lot of people would would know these. It's like a it's like a folk opera. It's all about the sea and and, and kind of a ghost story. It's it's very fun. It's mm. good. And the cool visuals. Very good cool visuals. Yes, I have to. Basically, at the end, I kind of. You know, nearly plunged to my death. I have grab onto this gangplank that's getting lifted up, and I, it's it's cool. There's lots of cool stuff. Yes, there's water. There's rain. There's one for the poster. Exactly. The Flying Dutchman. It's cool. There's lots of cool stuff. That's the best write up ever. I think you've just given yourself. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. It's a quick break here on News Talk 1010. This is the Vinnie White Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm talking to Adrian Bazonka. She is a soprano, a fine and well-established opera singer for over three decades now. And um, if you're interested in opera, or perhaps even if, like me, 
you're curious but have never wanted to commit to spending a couple of hundred bucks and if you're out on a date another couple of hundred bucks and then risking the other person not liking it or you and then all of a sudden you're 400 in the hole and things aren't going your way well now's the time to uh, do it without any risk whatsoever really tickets are $15 and uh, the Flying Dutchman will be performing at various cinemas uh, you can get more information at adrianpazonka.com and uh, she's with me now. One of the things I've noticed looking at your website and your tour date is you just travel the world, don't you? Yes, I do. And uh, yeah, it's it's part of you know if you're going to kind of go for the international thing that it is. It's um, what's nice is I'm home for a few weeks now, which is wonderful. And you have to build in those breaks if you've got a family. But other than that, yeah, it's a lot of travel, a lot of. Which is exciting. And then I think, you know, when people think, yes, it's very glamorous, it is glamorous, but the flights and the whole, you know, it can get, it, it gets like a grind. You I know, know it, it's really hard to relate to that unless yeah. you do it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. a lot of my mates are, are international businessmen. Sure. And they travel around the world and mm-hmm. eat lunches and champagne and stuff. And I, I realize this is the most first world thing I've ever said. And I'm, I highly expect someone to shoot me after the show. But they moan about how, because it, it's all kind of not real. Right, mm-hmm. for these guys. A lot of them, the meals they're on, they're with people they don't want to be with. They don't like bloody caviar and stuffed duck confit. It's a nice problem to have, don't get me wrong, <laughs> yes. but it can be a bit dull. And I suppose there might be some crossover that with opera as well. Mm-hmm. When you're in a hotel on your mm-hmm. own, a hotel is just a hotel. Yeah. And sometimes I, you probably don't have time to see the city either, do you? Well, yeah, you, you, you try to. And I think, I think it gets back to opera singer, again, being kind of a, it's like tennis, it's a solo sport. You know, I'm, I'm not... I'm I'm um I'm freelance, so I'm not a member of the you know the the Royal Opera Company. I come in as a guest. It's called guesting. So I come in as a guest, mm. and you of course meet the other singers, but then you kind of leave again. So it is a very solitary thing. So there's time alone. And I, what the good thing is, I I I like my own company. I can mm. you know be I like theater. I read books. I can dine on my own. You have to be comfortable with yourself because you spend a lot of time on your own. Mm. Um, the family can't always come. Sometimes you want to rest your voice and you don't want to be, go blabbing one night. So yeah, you have to, um, it's, but again, yes, I think probably people listening thinking, oh my goodness, it does sound pretty good to me. <laughs> and it is, yeah. to be honest, I'm, priv- <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed and privileged. And I sort of pinch myself thinking, this is an awesome job. It's great. Do you ever, when you're performing on stage and you have all the regalia on and it's a, it's a large piece, um, do you ever have you ever got the opportunity to look out and see someone you recognise? Sometimes, yes. Does yes. that put you off a little bit? Um, it can do, you know, um, especially in concerts when the lighting's a bit lighter and you can see people in the audience. In opera, it's pretty dark in the auditorium, so you can't. But sometimes I've seen my daughter, like, you know, give a little wave and I can't wave. But I'll just do something. <laughs> I'll just maybe give half wink or raise a shoulder yeah. that she knows that I'm seeing her. Wonderful yeah. stuff. Uh, Adrian Pazonka, a delightful person as well as, of course, a very uh, accomplished opera singer. For more information, go to adrianpazonka.com and, of course, as I mentioned earlier, you can get tickets for 15 bucks to go and see her as the Flying Dutchman tours various cinemas. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Vinny. Pleasure. All right, that's that show wrapped up with a little cheeky bow. We're going to go to the news. Then I come back in my normal guise as me for my normal show. Hope that makes sense. Cheers. Radio News Talk 1010. Rudimental beatboxing there from Vinnie White.
Oh, I actually saw a beatboxer this week. I guess it must still be in my brain. It's a bloke called Beardy Man. You ever heard of him, Elliot? Yeah, I know this guy. He's really good. I went to a nightclub and saw him. I danced and everything. So cool. It actually hurts. Although the person I went with said that my dancing is, is really bad. And this is about the 20th time I've heard this. So I thought I'd get the bottom of it and I said what is it that's wrong with my dancing and they said um, your top half doesn't talk to your bottom half apparently I've got independent movements like my feet go at one rhythm and my top bit goes the other which is why and it makes sense because I tried to learn salsa once and um, you know you go all the way around you meet you meet one woman and then you dance with her and then you dance with the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and then ultimately about 15 people later, you get back to the first woman you dance with. And she said to me, oh, God, not you again. <laughs> and at the time, I was offended. But now I realise I can't dance. And it's reinforced this week. Just as well, this is radio then. Uh, my name is Vinnie White, and I'm on for an hour, or thereabouts. Um, I'm on every week at 9 o'clock on uh, News Talk 1010, which is where you are now. Or you might be listening on the podcast, in which case you could be anywhere. You could be that guy on the bus. And uh, that's good. Podcast available at vinniewhite.co.uk or newstalk1010.com. More stuff. Phone number 416 872 if you want to call in and add your bit about whatever we discuss. And also, uh, you can text the show, which I really like. I do like a text. So text away. 8255. Thoughts? You having a good day? We'll start with a simple one. You all right? How are you? There's a nice simple one to, to start the text in. 8255. All right? How's things? Everything okay? If they're not, I probably can't do much about it. But, you know, I like to be informed. Reaching out. And you can also find the show on uh, Star Talk, which is Star 8255, if you want. But that's enough of that. Oh, and then I've got to do the other bit. Oh, God, this is so long, the intro, isn't it? Facebook, Vinnie White. Twitter, Vinnie White. Whatever. Let's get on with it. Uh, Vinnie's views of this week's news... That's what the rough show title is, which I didn't come up with. A listener did, and I stole it. And uh, thank you for that. Vinny's views of this week's news. Uh, we're going to look at what's been going on this week uh, around the world, and particularly here in Toronto. Or particularly not, actually. I don't think I've got anything in Toronto, so I'll take that back. <laughs> uh, last week, we discussed a US senator who was an idiot. And he brought a snowball into the Senate. Do you remember that? Senator Jim in Einhoff, uh, a Republican from Oklahoma in America. And uh, he brought a, a snowball in to prove that global warming isn't true. I, I, I mean, I say these words and I actually can't believe I'm, I'm saying them. I mean, what absolute muppet. And, and he is in the Senate in the most powerful country in the world. Anyway, he said some more stupid stuff this week. First of all, let's hear what he said last week when he brought a snowball in. Just to give you a reminder, by the way, he's standing in front of a picture of his family who made an igloo a couple of years ago. And his ultimate point, if you sift through the utter crap that's spilling out of his face, is global warming doesn't exist because my kids made an igloo. (laughs) It's one of those things I'm saying it. I can't believe I'm saying it. Anyway, this is him. Hysteria and global warming. 
and it happened to be another a, a snowstorm that had been unprecedented. It set a record that year. And there's a charming family of six, I say to my friend in the chair, that, um, that built this. And their picture is here. And that happens to be my daughter and her family of six. And uh, at that time, it got a lot of attention. Actually, it got a lot of, of uh, national attention. And in, in case we have forgotten, because we keep hearing that 2014 has been the warmest year on record, I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball. And that's just from outside here. So it's very, very cold out, very unseasonal. So here, Mr. President, catch this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so he's, he throws a, a snowball at Mr. President. I, and unfortunately, there's only one camera, so I don't know if the president caught it. And I still don't know what he was thinking. I mean, there's no way that you could go through that without... I mean, I would just be vocal and say, shut up. But if you were, like, in a formal conference setting in the Senate and someone did that, wouldn't you just go, what? Like, what are you... How drunk are you? Like, aside from your argument being there's more holes in it than a sieve, but aside from that, do you think I didn't notice the snow on the way in? Do you think that... I mean, sure enough, I got here on a limo. I'm speaking as the president. But um, as, <laughs> as one day I will... Anyway, whatever, idiot. So um, wouldn't it be great if he came to a censor this week? No, made it worse. Brilliant. Uh, Senator Jim Einhoff, the Republican from Oklahoma, the chairman of the Environment and Public Works Committee. I'll say that again. The chairman of the Environment and Public Works Committee. Just the first bit's the key words. Chairman of the Environment. Environment. Man that doesn't believe in global warming because there's a snowball and his kid's made an igloo. Reasonable logic. Stupid scientists. What do they know? Uh, Einhoff has also written a book, which, by the way, I'm sure he's just publicising by bringing snowballs into the Senate. It's called The Greatest Hoax. Uh, he refers to scientists as alarmists. And this week he decided to quote the Bible, which is always the way out of these things, isn't it? Because there's a lot of logic in the Bible. 100,000 scientists should be ignored because their research analysis of data is silly, of course. Whereas one man who brings a snowball into Congress to make a point should be listened to. Yeah. He said this week, I'll try and do his accent, I'll take my religion seriously. I said I'll try and do his accent. I didn't say I'd do it. I said I'll try and do it. I'll take my religion seriously. Uh, he went on to say, this is what a lot of the alarmists forget. God is still up there, and he promised to maintain the seasons, that cold and the heat would never cease as long as the earth remains. A little bit like Nicolas Cage in Raising Arizona. That's where I learned my American accent. And as you can tell from my regular accent, I'm from Texas. Uh, Inhofe quoted uh, one of his, quote, favourite Bible verses to back up his claim that global warming doesn't exist. Um, the verse that he read says, uh, as long as earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer. So he says... Global warming doesn't exist because the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there'll be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer. Inhofe said it was ridiculous that scientists continue to address global warming. He went on to say the arrogance of, the arrogance of people to think that we, human beings, would be able to change what he is doing in the climate to me is outrageous. 
He didn't spit. I just it was for effect. Um, yeah, is now a bad time to remind him about the dodo? I mean, let's just start with that. Can man change stuff? Yep. Seen a dodo today? No. All right with that. Also, since we're on the subject, I don't know if you knew this, but 99% of everything that's ever lived is no longer with us, which is insane until you realise evolution exists and the Earth wasn't created 6,000 years ago or whatever absolute twittle this disastrous muppet is spinning out of his stupid, and I do mean stupid, mouth. The Environment and Public Works Committee that Einhoff chairs, yes, he chairs the in, only in America with this guy. This Muppet, this daft, there's a brush. God, I'm, I'm really close to swearing. I was that close. I nearly dropped the worst word there is. If I did that, Elliot, what would happen if I'd have said something really bad there, which is justified in this case? Have you got some ability to dump what I say? Yeah, there's a button that helps with that. <laughs> Helps with that. What's what's it say on the button? What's it called? Actually, the button, uh, it is uh, colloquially called the dump button, and it, in fact, has uh, a question mark, an exclamation point, a pound sign. You, you know, the, like when you're reading cartoons and yeah. somebody swears, it has that. That's quite fitting. That's very clear. Yeah. Well done, Bell Media. Have you ever needed to use it for any other people? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Callers or presenters? Uh, both. Who was the presenter with the potty mouth? I, I can't remember. Oh, really? It's happened. <laughs> it's happened, and I got a signal through the glass, like, can you take care of that? Right. So and if I, I did the... say what I actually think of this guy, then hopefully you would be alert enough to press that button without me. This is the hope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping that I don't have to come in there and go, Elliot, you know when I just said that disgusting word? Yeah. Can you press the button? Because then it might be too late. How long have I got? Uh, it's, it's very quick. I mean, and I could be, like, sipping a drink and, like, you know, mm. there's all these complications. I think, in retrospect, what we've learned here is that you need to listen to this show. There's all that. that is, that's something that I hear is, is reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that's painful for you, but... Oh, no. No, I'm, I'm having a... No. You love this show, don't you? It's great. Yeah. Best show on radio? Sorry, lead, slightly loaded question. Best show that you produce? Uh, out of the, the two. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah. No, but now I can't. Now Pay's going to be mad in Africa. Well, she's in Africa. So. That's true. I always think about your audience, mate. Right. Here I am. That's got, true. Yes. Plus, I'm going to punch you far harder than she could. Oh, there you go. That's yeah, true. Think about that. Anyway, glad we covered that in case I do uh, accidentally use my potty mouth on the radio. One day it's going to happen, I'm sure. Bible quotes should be banned in Congress. That's what I think. I honestly don't understand how anyone has the right as a senator to say, I'm going to make a point. And by the way, all of you are getting paid loads of money to sit here and listen to this crap. And now I'm going to quote the Bible. I mean, it just... So when Jim Nutjob reads what he read, as long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer... Someone else in Congress should get to read a Bible quote of their choice back at him. That should be the rule. And there's a good site for this, actually, called evilbible.com, which is a website dedicated to highlighting how warped the Bible can be. Um, here's a couple quotes from the Bible. Um, Exodus 21.20. When a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod so hard that the slave dies under his hand, he shall be punished. If, however, the slave survives for a day or two... He is not punished, since the slave is his own property. It's nice, isn't it? So the, the wording's really weird on that. If, however, the slave survives for a day or two... So, if you have a slave and you hit him with a rod 
and he survives for 23 hours, you're going to die. But 24 plus, it's all right, isn't it? Got a couple of got a couple of days out of him or her. Unbelievable. Leviticus is a good one as well. 21.9. A priest's daughter who loses her honour by committing fornication and thereby dishonours her father shall be burned to death. The calming and relaxing words of the Bible there. Uh, I could go on. This is my favourite. Kings 2.23. From the Elisha went up to the Bethel. Sorry. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. While he was on his way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered him. Go up, bald head, they shouted. Go up, bald head. The prophet turned and saw them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. The two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the children to pieces. So what the Bible may be saying there, maybe, I'm reading into it, is if you call someone bald head, you can get torn up by lions. How do you feel about that, Elliot? I I disagree with this uh, thing from the Bible. I would have been so mauled by now because I've called you baldy many times very rarely a week I don't comment on the sheen no it's true it's a very common yeah I I don't like this uh, bible thing (laughs) quote (laughs) yeah quite so there you go I just I like to believe that if it was Canada and they were in parliament and someone said um, global warming doesn't exist and I'm now going to back up my statement with a message from the bible that everyone would go Shut up. <laughs> I, t- I really hope that's the case because that's why I moved here because it's somewhat more forward thinking than the United States. Uh, your text coming in. Vinny, I'm checking out your website. Such a cutie you are and multi-talented as I read the stuff you do. I enjoy your shows on Sunday nights. Keep it up. How was my day? Full with a paintbrush in hand as I prep my house for selling. Nice to see sunshine today. I may be in touch about something. Keep ranting, Wendy. Thanks, Damn. Wendy. It's nice, isn't it? It was nice today, though. You know you live in Canada when it's one degree and you get excited. Absolutely ridiculous. I was walking around a park. I took my top off at one point, and I'm not even joking. Admittedly, it was for all of three seconds, and I lost two nipples, but nonetheless, it's good to get the old boys out. And the sun had heat in it. it like, proper heat. Almost a degree. <laughs> Stuff was melting. Place smelled of poo. It's Toronto, baby. <laughs> uh, today is International Women's Day. The show before this, I did uh, some women-related stuff, and I managed to not be sexist once. Aren't I a big boy? Um, someone needs to tell Indonesia that it's International Women's Day because this day was the day that they had to apologise for something. <laughs> a clothing company in Indonesia decided it would be funny to print something on one of their shirts. I'll tell you what it is next. You're tuned in to the Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Yes, that's where you are. Hmm? And you're welcome here anytime it's on, which is every week from 9 through till 10. Although this week from 8 through till 10 because uh, pay was away. Good. Um, keep your text coming in on um, 71010. A lot of people said I spent the whole day outside. Uh, of, most people walking dogs today, by the sound of it. What did you do today? Pretty simple question, really. I mean, you can make it up. If it was boring, uh, maybe you just, you know, played the Xbox. Why not say that you had rampant sex with someone? This is your chance to lie and make your life far more interesting. Um... 
Today is International Women's Day, which means it's a celebration of all things women. Uh, well, I say all things, not that bit, obviously. Um, but the uh, the idea of International Women's Day, in case you didn't know, is to celebrate women, but also to squeeze the gender gap down and for us chaps to be a little bit more understanding about the ladies in the world and perhaps for bosses and people within power and influence to accept and becoming more accepting towards women around the world to decrease the gender gap in a hope to live in a more prosperous environment and a fair world. But someone needs to tell that to an Indonesian clothing company because they didn't get that memo. Yesterday, International Women's Day, a Indonesian clothing company apologised for washing instructions on a shirt. Now, I have a photograph of the shirt in question. They were printed in their thousands and it says, as often is the case, uh, 100% cotton. Underneath that, these shirts, as I said, thousands of them printed. Uh, the label says, machine wash, warm, inside out, with similar colours. Use only non-chlorine bleach, tumble dry, medium, medium hot iron. Do not iron print. Or give it to your woman. It's her job. Now, I can only assume that the person that came up with this, in inverted commas, jokey statement, was a bit of a prick. Because it's not really that funny, even if you have a warped uh, sense of humour. And also, it's just a little bit sexist. Just a little bit, isn't it? Yes, an Indonesian clothing company has apologised today uh, for printing washing instructions on the sports shirts, telling a woman to clean it because it's her job. The company, Salvo Sports, said sorry earlier. Uh, The label on the shirt, as I said, says give it to a woman, it's her job. It prompted lots of criticism on social media, surprisingly, and uh, has caused the company to backtrack and reprint the labels for all forthcoming shirts. Salvo Sports said today on Twitter, the message is simply, instead of washing it the wrong way, you might as well give it to a lady because they are more capable. You're not making it better! (laughs) That was their apology. I mean, it's... (laughs) The message is simply, instead of washing it the wrong way, you might as well give it to a lady because they are more capable. I think you've got to quit while you're ahead, lads. They went on to say there's no intention to humiliate women, they said, whilst humiliating women. Uh, Salvo said it wanted to apologise for any misinterpretations. I love it when people say that. I want to apologise. Well, apologise then. That's not an apology. I I want to apologise for what I said. Oh, they just didn't make it better. It's like peeing up against a bar in a crowded pub, then apologising by saying, I'm sorry I peed up the bar, I just needed to pee, and I couldn't be bothered to walk to the bathroom. <laughs> so that's that. That happened today. Nice to know International Women's Day is having a positive effect across Indonesia. Uh, also, of course, you probably heard by now that two men are charged in uh, killing of Boris uh, Nemstov in uh, in Russia, we did. We covered this quite intensely last week, uh, looking at the life uh, and the unknown life of Vladimir Putin, the trained assassin. Sorry, the um, the president uh, of Russia, and uh, definitely not 
in any way a Bond villain and or a repressed homosexual. Uh, in Moscow, two Chechens were charged today, one a police officer and a second a security guard. Uh, they were charged in a Moscow court uh, today, today Sunday, weirdly. They actually kept the courts open. I think they want to fast-track these boys through before anyone realised they've been paid off. Sorry, before anyone can um, question the justice. And sorry, before um, anything goes wrong. Uh, yeah, so they, uh, they've they been um, arrested in the killing of uh, of that. Uh, opposition leader to Vladimir Putin, a leading Kremlin critic, actually. Uh, weirdly, three other suspects were jailed pending further investigation. So that's five people. I don't know how many people it takes to hold a gun, but I'm sure it's not five. Despite the court appearance, neither the Russian law enforcement agencies nor the court itself uh, presented a coherent picture of the case thus far, including the roles played by any of the suspects or the motive that they might have had. Um, the guys that were arrested uh, announced uh, by Russia's top law enforcement official they believed to be too directly involved. But directly involved could slightly open to interpretation, surely. But I'm sure that the watertight yet transparent justice system of Russia will prevail and nothing dodgy at all has happened there. It's just a classic case of some gunman mixing up a tin can with a human being. Hey, who amongst us hasn't accidentally killed a man? With an assault rifle. We've all been there, haven't we? Just yesterday I was going to clean my teeth and I accidentally murdered my neighbour's cat. It happens. That's what I'm saying. Everything will be fine. Vladimir Putin rides horses with his shirt off. People that do that are never the sort of people to hire contract killers and remove the opposition, then frame or pay off people to confess. And that's true. That's just a fact because, you know... If you're riding a horse with your shirt off, you're probably thinking, why didn't I put a shirt on and why the hell am I riding this horse? You're not going to be thinking, I might have to get that bloke bumped off. It's just a fact. Stands up in court. Actually, the funny thing is, that would stand up in a Russian court. I didn't do it. Why? Because I rode a horse once. Right, case closed. Catch you later. Cheers. If you're listening in Russia and you're an opposition leader, run! Run for your life! For the love of God, bolt it! He's a nutter! But uh, in the interest of not being biased, um, I'm sure that Vladimir Putin had absolutely nothing to do with it whatsoever. God, that just, it doesn't come out well. I don't like lying on air. Um, Amanda, come in. Amanda, come in. Amanda is our, is our news person. And, um, <laughs> and uh, sorry, I'm getting some very... Uh, some, uh, people have tried to tell me that I can swear on air as long as you dressed it up. So if you want to use the C word, for example, you can say, see you next Tuesday. And the other one is, I can't read it, it's too close to the word. But let's just say it's a spoonerism. There's lots of ways that you can swear without swearing, apparently. I just think it's, a, it's an avenue that we don't need to explore if I like my job. And I do. Amanda. Hello. Why are you so wonderful? Oh, this is why you wanted me to come on your show? Yeah, to compliment little ray me? of sunshine. <laughs> You came out last night, didn't you? Well, I say that you're still uh, you're still very much a heterosexual. I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a birthday um, drinks last night, and you came out. Yeah, it was. Your, we were celebrating your fifty first birthday. Cheers. And uh, <laughs> it was lovely. It's all right, wasn't it? I smashed a bottle of whiskey last night. I felt a bit guilty about it. Uh, Did I you see you that? Feel guilty? I didn't see it, but I but I support. It's your birthday. You can do whatever you want. You also spilled a lot of things on your shirt. Do you remember that? Well, that was the whiskey. Oh, yeah, that's what that was. I stank this morning. It was actually. If you're an alcoholic, just pretend that you dropped a bottle of whiskey on your shirt. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, that's why it smells. No, I had um, someone gave me a bottle of whiskey. Good one as well. Eighteen year old Glenfiddich. 
And then it's just all gone. No, what happened was I put it, it was in one of those, you know, fancy bag things. Okay. Gift bag things. And so I, I pulled it out, looked at it. I was like, oh, that's good. It's got a lovely bottle of whiskey. Put it back in, but put it back in with a little bit too much vigour and vim, and it went straight through the bottom of the um, bag, oh. smashed on the floor. Oh, so it's your fault. Then, because I was having a bit of a panic, I picked up the bottle, broken bottle, that was, you know, urinate, glass everywhere. urinating whiskey everywhere. <laughs> And I leant over the bar to get a pint glass. And I don't know what the... I, have I got a dodgy face? Like, do I look like a rebel? Um, maybe a little bit, yeah. Because the barman came running over and smacked my hand. Oh. He goes, don't reach over the bar. I said, listen, pal, I've got a bottle of whiskey pissing out all over the place underneath here. Can I have a glass? So He thought um, you were going to steal his alcohol. He's I suppose. No, scarred. but I wasn't pouring a beer. I was just nicking a glass. I was, sorry, borrowing a glass. I know, but he just thinks that you're probably gra- grabbing a bottle of something. Yeah, it probably did look dodgy. Yeah. But then I was left in a really weird quandary because the the whiskey, what was left of it, half a bottle or so, was in a pint glass, right? We got rid of the broken bottle. Now I've got half a pint of whiskey <laughs> behind the bar. Oh, my goodness. And he says you can take it at the end, but you can't take a glass. And also you can't drink your booze on the premises. So I'm like, well, where does that leave us? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I can do then. <laughs> so we decided the only thing I could do is go and get another vessel, Jeez. fill it up with whiskey, and then walk home with it. I was like, I can't be bothered. I said, tell you what, when you have finished tonight, drink it for me. <laughs> so I gave him half a bottle of whiskey. Well, that's nice. Rock so, and roll, though, isn't it? That's a good tip. Yeah. Uh, I brought you in. I haven't quite decided why. I just thought it'd be nice to have a little chat with you because you were so lovely last night. Uh, well, can I tell you maybe a little bit about what I'm doing right now, literally here at the station this late? Mm, yeah. Okay, there's a program called Vocal ID, and maybe you should do this too, mm. where you can donate your voice to people that need a voice. So, you know, like Stephen Hawking spoke through a machine. Speaks. speaks he's still through, with us. Yeah, speaks through a machine. Yeah. But he's not speaking through the machine that he's speaking through way back way. Like He's got a new machine. They developed. Yes, yeah, but do you know they, they kept his quote-unquote voice? The mechanic, like the first voice that he yeah, had? Yeah, it's changed a bit. It's a bit, but it's still... Because you know he's English. It's quite American. Right, so the voice, and this is exactly, it proves the point. Like, the voice that they're getting is not anywhere close to his real voice. No. And people of all ages will have diseases that, and conditions where they, don't, where they won't have a voice, but it's only like ma- male and female. It's just two voices that they can choose from mm. no matter their age or where they're from so now they're developing this software that takes the recordings of everyone's voices if you're willing to donate your voice and then they put it through the system and you have to record a bunch of sentences but then then people can choose what voice they want that's an age appropriate gender appropriate voice so that's if you ever were to lose your vocal cords i could get my own voice back yes because you've now you're in the can exactly so what are the what are the sentences you have to say? They're really some of them, you know, and they're kind of sad because then you realize all the all the things that people typically say. So I'm recording things like "I love you" and just like "Good, see you later." But then also like "I need help." It's a, this is an emergency. So I feel like I, I have so many emotions now. Just going, <laughs> <laughs> I just did an hour of recording, so it takes about four hours to record all of the sentences. Yeah. They recommend you don't do it all in one sitting. So I just did it for an hour right now before I came on your show. Oh, good for you. There you go. Uh, Maybe you should do it too. You did it for free. Yeah, you donate your voice. Who wants this voice? Come on. Lots of people. You have a wonderful voice. Come on. You just want compliments out of me. I'm not flattering you. You're listening to News Talk 10 Tennis. It's really why. <laughs> no, I suppose it's all That's right. brutal. No, that's brutal. Um, so could you play an elaborate and definitely unfair and almost certainly cruel trick? For example, if you were supposed to call record I love you, 
Yeah. You could, in fact, record, I hate you. Oh, but why would you? You're horrible. <laughs> so then some months later, a poor man no. declares his undying hate to his wife. No. It'd be brilliant. But also I think they're taking the sounds from these sentences and mashing them up with other sentences to make other words. You're obviously not going to record every single word in the in the dictionary. So yeah. you it would mess up all these other words too because they're taking the L sound from the love and putting it somewhere else and it's going to sound like an oh, H. Oh, I see what you mean. They're, they're actually getting all the snippets taken mm-hmm. out. Yep. Ah. So you'd really screw it up. You'd really screw it up if you did that. <laughs> the telephone company Fido that I'm with, hang on, is that Bell? Yeah, and I work for Bell. Tread carefully, Vinny. No, Fido is Rogers. Is it? Yes, I'm 100%. So I can criticise them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, come on. It's, we can say what we want. It's talk radio, for goodness sake. Yeah. If I offend someone, sorry. Okay, tell but me where this so... is going with Fido. Well, it's not that bad. I just want to say that their, their system that yeah. you get put through could use you. Why? Because it's crap. It's You know, you can always tell when people have chopped up bits to make the sentence. Right. Because the inflections are all over the show. So it's press one to change your greeting message. (laughs) Press three for cheese. (laughs) Press. uh, They don't offer cheese. I'd run out of options. I would want cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I would be banging out three all day. (laughs) Press four for a travel pack if you're going to the United States of America. Car, then you need to top up, top up with $4, $3. It's a nightmare. And also, when they're calling, you're you're probably already frustrated with something, some sort yeah. of aspect. You're yeah, yeah, seeking yeah. help, and then you get that. It's the extra, it's, it's just the extra push over the ledge. This is why people freak out on the phone to these poor, to the call agent that they eventually end up getting. I do it a lot to people in my life, though, because I think I'm so funny. So, for example... <laughs> My friend in Ottawa called me the other day and I knew he was pissed off because his car had broken down and I thought I'd play a little trick on him. Oh, no. So I just said, hello and welcome to the automated service for crap cars. (laughs) If you've got a crap car, press one. And you could hear him go, boop. (laughs) So you just keep going through the system. If you didn't regularly upkeep your car, then press two. It's your fault. Very good if you can do it. That's good, actually. That's a good voice. I know. I've always thought it's weird that I don't get any voice work. Is this your audition? This is is your demo. My favourite is the London Underground one because she is animated, unlike the Toronto subway. Oh, my God. What is wrong with her? Has she got manic depression? Wait, which one? Toronto or London? The Toronto subway. Yeah. So here's the difference. Toronto subway, the next station, St. Clair. St. Clair's the next station. <laughs> next station is Rosedale. Rosedale's the next station. I thought it would be really cool if I could do the subway voice. I think that I would make it fun. Well, we can already hear you're better than that. <laughs> Go on, do what I just did in a more animated and happy... Dundas. Dundas Station. See, that's better. Yeah, I just, be, I just put a little smile in it. It's not hard to do. That's what I mean. She must have been so depressed. But maybe they told her to be depressed because they wanted to, like, match the tone of the people on the car. Well, that's not going to help anyone. <laughs> Feel... No, but you'd be pissed off if if someone sounded super cheery and you were just pissed on the TTC. No, and then you got that's not true. Like... I want someone cheery when I'm down. <laughs> the last thing I need is, I've just split up my girlfriend. My car's been towed away. I'm finally on the subway because it's all I can afford to get to where I want to go for, a, I don't know, a meeting with my divorce counsellor. And next stop is Rosedale. Rosedale. I want someone saying, the next stop is Rosedale. Rosedale Station. I want Chirpy. The one in um, London, if, for those of you that have arrived in Heathrow Airport, 
you'll know that I think it's the district line. Don't quote me on this. Um, you get a train in, and they always say the last destination, which I don't. Do they do that here? Do they say this is the train to Kipling? They don't, do they? The la- This is the end of the line. Uh, never mind. Anyway, I don't know. the point is that they say the last possible station. So, for example, when you get on at Heathrow, the last station happens to be Cockfosters, which oh I know goodness. that I know it shouldn't be funny, but it's funny. <laughs> and the, how do they say it? Do this is the district really line cheering? service to Cockfosters. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, let's go. Last time I was there, I recorded it and sent it to all my friends. It's brilliant. <laughs> let's go to Cockfosters. Let's go, Vinny. Uh, Amanda, uh, I've got a question that's coming. Yeah. Uh, are you... Related to Harry Copido, the paralegal. Oh, you know what? There's a lot of Copidos out there. I don't know. But if it's spelled C-U-P-I-D as in dog O, then mm. yeah. Then then he's one of me. He's one of us. I see. But if it's not, there's lots of there's lots of Copidos with different spellings. So. Okay. Yeah. Now you're in the newsroom. One of the things I want to talk to you about before I let you go and disappear into a puff of logic is this. Sure. <laughs> there's a new condition that's been discovered. Okay. And it's called slowness rage. And I don't know if it's um, a syndrome that we're at the point where we can prescribe it. Okay. And then I certainly don't know quite yet what the solution is. But um, I think we can all relate to it, particularly I, my, my slowness rage kicks in on sidewalks when someone's walking in front of me slowly. Oh, I see what this is now. And that's known as pedestrian aggressiveness syndrome. Yep. I, I mean, I don't know why they have to get these things. In there. But it's a, a tool developed by the University of Hawaii and a psychologist called Leon James, who noticed that while he was walking in a crowd, he often found himself acting in a hostile manner. That means staring, presenting a mean face, or moving closer and faster than expected, or occasionally enjoying thoughts of violence. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lovely way of putting it. So my question to you is, do you suffer slowness, Rage, and do you ever have thoughts of violence? (laughs) I think everyone suffers from slowness, Rage, at some point. Mm. You have to admit especially so yes i do the answer is yes mm. i'm i don't think i i don't get violent thoughts but i do get very angry especially on escalators oh my god just stand to the side stand to the side why is that so difficult i don't know i don't know and that's where i get like i just i really huff at people and sometimes i say oh i'm not sure if you know you stand on the right side do you you do the oh yes. i love that you do that if i have to get somewhere why not and that's then so un-canadian <laughs> you rebel no but maybe they can learn for next time because oh. maybe someone with slowness rage that does have violent tendencies is going to hurt <laughs> them next time i'm just saving do you, people. Ex- do you explain all of that <laughs> hello uh, i will now you should do it because so quite often you've got time just wanted to let you know i can see you're an ethnic minority possibly an immigrant <laughs> oh, no. and so uh, maybe you don't know how to use the escalators um if you don't want a violent attack not from me i'm not saying i'm gonna do it i'm just saying someone might do it pop yourself off to the side all right exactly like that it's a nice way of doing it (laughs) uh slowness rage apparently is not confined to the sidewalk of course slow drivers slow internet slow grocery lines they all drive us crazy yeah uh slow things drive us crazy because the fast pace of society has warped our sense of timing and one of the reasons it's become a syndrome now is because it's worse than ever before things that our great grandparents would have found miraculously efficient now drive us round the bend yep Patience is a virtue, and that's been vanquished in the Twitter age. Once upon a time, cognitive scientists tell us patience and impatience had an evolutionary purpose. They constituted a yin and a yang of balance, if you like, and finely tuned internal timer uh, that tells when we've waited too long for something and should move on. Perhaps it was 
beneficial to us. If you are foraging an unproductive patch uh, or you're hunting in the wild and it took ages, it's beneficial for you to get stressed and move on because hanging around, you're not going to get food. You're going to die. Yeah, there's two things I'd like to say to this. Yeah. One is that they've shown that I, there was an airport, and I forget which airport it was, but there was people getting very upset because they were waiting for their baggage, and they weren't waiting that long. Mm. Maybe like 8 to, to 11 minutes was the average, around mm. 10 minutes. But then um, they would get really upset, and all the comment cards had them you know, complaining about them waiting for luggage. So what the airport did was just rerouted the way they had to walk to get to the luggage. So that once they got there, really, from the point they got off the plane to the point they got their luggage was still that eight to ten minutes. But because they've been walking some of it. Because they've been walking, they didn't notice. And everyone was happier. We're cattle, aren't we? We're we're stupid cattle. cattle. (laughs) The second thing I want to say is that uh, uh, the internet slowness, they say that you really shouldn't marry anyone until you've given them one hour of slow internet and see how they react. Because that's when their true colors come out. Oh, that's genius. I know. So I've really been working on myself with my with my internet rage because I just think that's you know that's one area we can all we can all work on. I am fairly confident that if the internet was a person, I'd have stabbed it a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's it's just the most infuriating thing. But actually, it's our expectations. This study talked about this, and it said we now insist that web pages load in a quarter of a second. <laughs> All right, we had no problem with two seconds in 2009. So in six years, our expectations have shifted. In 2006, the average web page would take four seconds to load. Now, I'm not saying we enjoyed that four seconds. But that we just expected it. Yeah, you expected it. And that's it. It's all about expectations. That's the most annoying thing in a restaurant when they say, I just want to, if they, sorry, if they don't say, I just want to let you know that food's taking ages. Some of our staff called in sick. It's a bit of a nightmare. If you're happy to wait, it's going to be an hour. Yeah. All right. I can handle that. They're being honest. But when you sit there for an hour and you don't know what's coming, oh my God, I'm going to eat this table. Yeah. It's true. So there you are. The link between time and emotion is a complex one, says James Moore, a neuroscientist at the University of London. A lot is dependent on expectation. If we expect something to take time, uh, then we can accept it. Frustration is often the consequence of expectations being violated. Time stretches when we get mad. So, yeah, that's very good. And if you're thinking about proposing, take Amanda's advice there and um, give them the slow internet. internet. Test, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Thank you a million for coming in and uh, having a little chat. Thanks, Vinny. See ya later, potato. When we come back, we look at Vinny's views on this week's news a little bit more, see what else has gone on this week here in Toronto and around the world. And right now, we'll take a quick cheeky little break. This is the Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Yeah, News Talk 1010 is where you are. If ever you want to get involved in this show, I sometimes get time to take calls, sometimes not. You can give it a gamble, 416-872-1010, uh, or you can text the show always on 71010, and there's a very good chance that I'll read that out. Um, actually, someone just sent me a link, which was really interesting as well. It's talking about slowness rage. I was talking about it there with Amanda Capito and um, the phenomena that is pedestrian aggressive syndrome, <laughs> i.e., getting pissed off because someone's walking slowly in front of you. Um, one of the things that's really interesting from this link, if it's true, I think, I think it's true, um, apparently there's a, a down-to-earth gauge was established by uh, a psychologist, Robert Levine, in the early 1990s. He sent students all around the world to take the pulse of 31 large cities 
And what they did, they randomly timed people over a, a distance of 60 feet. So without telling them, they just sat down, park bench or whatever it was. Hopefully it was in controlled environments, you know, a downtown core, a shopping mall. Uh, I'm sure it was a controlled experiment. And just timed them how long it took for them to walk 60 feet. Uh, in Vienna, Austria, pedestrians covered the ground in a respectable 14 seconds. Uh, but in New York, pedestrians zoomed by in 12 seconds. And apparently uh, Toronto is up there with New York as well as the rather hurried city. Uh, That was 12 seconds as well. London actually slightly slower pace of uh, 13 seconds. Um, Not London, Ontario. London, Ontario, of course, uh, is one second because you want to leave. Uh, Then the the, uh, 2000s, the psychologist uh, Richard Wiseman found uh, worldwide walking speeds had actually gone up. And this is the phenomenon that seems to be increasing... Um, with probably in correlation to our impatience and frustration, uh, everything from slow internet to slow people, uh, we've actually started walking more quickly. In the 2000s, the psychologist Richard Wiseman found worldwide walking speeds have gone up 10%. Yeah, 10% um, in 10 years. Which <laughs> I don't think I, that can't be consistent. Otherwise, we'll all be sprinting in a few decades. Uh, but that's uh, that's how things go. Yeah, recent research points to the possibility that the cycle could actually get worse before it gets better, and uh, everything points to that we're still speeding up in every possible facet. We read books quicker than ever before, although let's be honest, we don't do as many, and uh, we walk quicker than ever before, and we get frustrated by the internet more quickly than ever before, despite the fact that the internet's quicker than it was. So, in other words, I think we can. Um, I think we can draw from that, hypothesise that uh, we're all doomed. I I suggest moving to Fiji, and I say that because I've been there. You always think of places like Fiji to have a slow pace. Never seen anywhere so slow in my life. Honestly, it's unbelievable. Snail's pace, everything. Partly because it's hot, and island life always promotes slow temperaments, but also carver. What an amazing thing that is. Carver is the ground-down root of a vegetable. Can't remember which one. And uh, it's sort of illegal. It's a drug, but it's kind of whatever. Everyone's doing it. And I tried it when I was there. It's the weirdest thing. But it's like um, dishwater, it looks like. It's a huge bowl, and it's very gross. It tastes like your... tastes and looks, in fact, like chalk, chalky water. And you, you serve it up. It's a social thing in Fiji. You serve up this big bowl of it. And then you pass it around with a half a coconut shell that everyone shares and you dip the half coconut shell in and just round up some of the fluid and drink it, carver. And it has the effect of making you, you know, when you, I don't smoke weed anymore, but I used to many years ago. And um, I remember you just feel a bit slower, probably not now because it's all like THC, it's like taking acid now, isn't it? But nonetheless, um, when in the days of when I was at college and I was a naughty boy, I used to smoke the odd bit of weed. And uh, is this being recorded? It's not live, is it? Well, that would be embarrassing. I'm sorry it is. Oh, bloody hell. Sorry, Mum. Yeah, you were right. That was the smell. Deal with it. We're all having a go. Um, but, yeah, it just totally slows you down in every possible sense. If uh, if you find life stressful, move... <laughs> particularly if you've got children, move to Fiji. Honestly, you won't regret it. Leave them behind. They're a bloody nightmare. Leave them here. And uh, start drinking carver. Fantastic for the system. Well, terrible for the system, but uh, good for the pace. You couldn't give a monkeys if you were on dial-up.
when you're drinking Carver in Fiji. And by the way, you will be. <laughs> so there you are. Move to Fiji. That's my conclusion. Don't like Toronto? Long winter? Move to Fiji. This message brought to you by the Fiji Tourist Board. Uh, I'll leave you on this news. Have I got one minute? Cracking. Uh, diet heavy in licorice causes 10-year-old Italian boy to have seizures and brain swelling. Yes, this week, a 10-year-old boy from Bologna in Italy suffered four seizures and had doctors confused about the cause uh, of his problems until they found out he was eating 20 pieces of licorice every day for four months. Now, that's responsible parenting, ladies and gentlemen. He had high blood pressure, high levels of cortisol and brain swelling. Before he told doctors about his eating habits, the boy had an MRI that revealed posterior and uh, reversible uh, encopotholorology syndrome. Pronounced absolutely correctly. Pronounced how he, how he probably pronounced it. Uh, the brain swelling was unusual for an otherwise healthy child. When they found out that he was addicted to licorice, doctors realised that uh, the gintric acid prevents the breakdown uh, and increases blood pressure. The boy stopped eating licorice this week and has fully recovered. So, little hint for you there, if you like a bit of the licorice stuff. Again, uh, if you really do, move to Fiji, get addicted to Carver. Much better for you. Uh, not a bad show, I reckon. Not the best ending, but you know what? I like to sort of tail off in a disappointing manner. And in that uh, respect, I'll be on my merry way. Take care. See you next week. I'm Vinnie White. You can find out more about this show and download it if you feel the need at newstalk1010.com or vinniewhite.co.uk. Bye-bye.